Hello, welcome to the Free Mental Podcast, the podcast where three friends share dreams of being professional footballers from Dash to Wears Children, where we all discuss food, have their say on the Premier League. Just a bit of a fill up for you. <laughs> yes, it's just me today, Kojo. Um, a bit of a solo one, uh, so it's going to be a rundown audio only. No YouTube uh, drop today, but this is another episode, and here we go. Uh, Bournemouth 1, Liverpool 0. We'll get straight into it. Um, so, Liverpool. After smacking May United seven 0 I think they were hoping that they could ride that wave, ride that wave, and um, get some momentum going into this top four race. I think that's obviously their target for the rest of the season now. Um, but I think they were taken by surprise in this game, and um, it was a bit of a return to the form that we've seen of Liverpool this season. Um, we're going to credit Bournemouth first because Bournemouth came with a game plan. They were compact at the back. They were solid enough. They did concede a penalty. We will, we will get to that. Um, but they were solid at the back. Um, they held their shape all the time. Their substitutions made sense. Uh, the timings of the substitutions were very interesting. You know, just when Liverpool were getting momentum. 70th minute, Christie came up for Billing. And then they made two changes, 80th and 81st minute, followed by two more changes on the 88th minute with Matthias Vigna and Antoine Semenyo coming under for Dominic Solanke and Jadon Anthony. Um, Liverpool... Now I'm gonna say they're subs, and it kind of it's it's not it's a, it's a mix of good and bad. Diogo Jota came off for Harvey Elliott, not a bad sub. Um, James Milner coming off for Trent. I mean, you know, Trent is one of the best right backs in Europe, so you know someone else coming in for him is gonna be difficult to replace that quality. But um, either way, they couldn't. Uh, James Milner is obviously an aging player. He's had a legendary career in the Premier League, if I say so myself. Jordan Henderson came off for Fabinho. That's club captain. Fabinho, who's going to leave at the end of the season for Darwin Nunez. Not a bad one. And Fabio Carvalho, who we haven't really seen a lot of in the last couple of months uh, for Stefan Bajetic. Um So on Liverpool, like we were saying, they um, they lost momentum. And I think this is the one thing that their, their fans are fearful of this year because... You know, there's one thing bringing the energy for the big games. It looked like they started off really, really well. The first 45 minutes against Real Madrid, where they started so well, compared to the second 45 minutes, it was kind of reversed against Man United. Man United are a lot more, a lot more lackluster um, at the back when it comes to like trying to get back into the game. Lost composure. I think they played the the, the occasion rather than just the match. Um, and Liverpool exploited them and did them how they did, but. With a club like Bournemouth, who are trying to fight to stay in this Premier League and, you know, um, don't have that fierce rivalry with Liverpool, they can play the game, try and stay compact, listen to the instructions. And look, people get frustrated with the, uh, this uh, game if you are a Liverpool fan because, one, obviously the return to inconsistent form and two, also because Bournemouth will lose another game and the argument people always say have been losing this team, but that's football. That's how it goes. Sometimes things just happen. Once upon a time, a very dominant Premier League Manchester United lost to South End, courtesy of Freddie Eastwood. That's a bit of a throwback for you. Um, again, might be a short throwback, who knows? Um, and on came, well, more titles, three titles in a row the next year for Man United. So, you know, football happens. Um, but good result for Bournemouth. Um, seeing how the league has gone and how results have come, that has taken them to 18. They are on 24 points. For anyone that listened last week, I did say that the gap between 12th and 20th was six points. 
one now, the gap between 12th and 20th is five points. So it's a very interesting um, race. Liverpool are sixth, but Newcastle winning and having a game in hand on them and obviously Tottenham winning as well is not going to do them any favours. The gap isn't incredibly big. Liverpool do have a game in hand on Tottenham. The gap is six points, so three points if they get their win. It's not scary. Um, Newcastle have a game in hand on Liverpool to go five points clear, but again, five points is nothing. But I keep saying, watch out for Brighton because Brighton are three points behind uh, Liverpool and they have two games in hand. The windows is obviously hypothetical, but if they win those, 45 points and they would be above Newcastle, obviously, if Newcastle do not win their game in hand. So it's very interesting. I'm very, very interested to see how that goes. Um, Liverpool, uh, well, I think they just got to think about what's happening next for them, really. Um, not a good result. Not a good one at all. But their next fixture, if I am correct, is Fulham. But that's postponed, actually. Uh, a lot of postponed games this week, actually. Um, or coming up in the next week. Um, I said them now for Liverpool, Fulham. Uh, Brighton, Manchester United and Man City, West Ham. So... There you go, that's why people are FPL heads. Um, but good win for Bournemouth, they sell through. On to the next game, Everton, Brentford. Not much to say about this game, except for Everton came with a fire that you would expect from a Sean Dash side. They're trying to stay up in the division as well. 1-0 winners, um, courtesy of a quick early goal from Dwight McNeil, I believe 36 or 7 seconds into the game. Very important win. Remember I told you about the gap between 12th and 20th Everton win that takes them to 25 points they are currently 15th now so it's a big win Brentford they're they're cool they haven't got any issues they may be trying to get a European spot um they are ninth 25 game 25 games played 38 points um so really good their season so far they can take a loss here and there <laughs> um but they also have games in hand they have two games in hand on Fulham who are above them by a point um, they also have a game in hand on Liverpool. So the, the race, even for the top four, if you want to talk about that, is super interesting. Even Chelsea, a team that are very inconsistent again this season, they are 10th, but they're on 37 points. The gap between them and Tottenham is 11 points. But I will say the statement, and we will get to Tottenham soon, Tottenham are very inconsistent. Chelsea are inconsistent, but it takes about a couple of wins and a couple of draws or losses for Tottenham to finish this change like that so it'll be a very interesting interesting one to see um another team battling to stay in the league leeds united 2-2 uh goals courtesy of bamford and harrison for liverpool both in um, for leeds rather both in response to McAllister who opened the scoring bamford equalized harrison scored their own goal but they redeemed himself the old zero to hero catch line for many uh tabloids he rescued the point for them. Um, great finish, by the way, I must say. Um, so they win. They get a point, sorry. Managed to get back into the game. Brighton, like we spoke about them earlier, 24 games played, 39 points. Seventh place, Leeds, a very important point because they are 19th on 23 points. But again, one win can just take them out of the drop zone. So it is very tight there. Good for them. Chelsea have finally found their feet. They won last week. They won in the Champions League against Dortmund 2-0. And they won again this weekend. Ben Chilwell, who I thought had a a good time at Leicester. Obviously, 
Him losing for Chelsea left a sour, um, a sour taste in the Leicester fans' mouths. So um, when he comes back, it's always a boo. Well, he responded in fashion. He scored a wonderful volley. And um, what was it? A half volley. I'm trying to remember the goal. But either way, it was a class finish. Near post um, from the right side from a corner, I believe. And he turned around and ran straight towards the Leicester fans in his ears saying tell me more and i will say this i will say this i do love that i do love that i love i love that kind of lack of fear you, you can't be um afraid to go and celebrate in front of the opposition even if they are your former club and if they're booing you and they went out of the building and all that rubbish you know what give them some back give some stick back because there is one thing that i don't like in football and i'll say this right now i understand it's like i'll, I'll compare it to wrestling you pay money to go watch these teams play, so you can cheer and boo as much as you please. That's one thing, right? You know, that's that's bit of, that's bit of pantomime. Wrestling is not real, you know, in terms of it's scripted and all that. Football is not a script. Well, unless you're Barcelona trying to pay referees, um, but it's not a script. And um, you know, they give stick and they say some horrible things to footballers. So hey, sometimes you gotta give them that and that return and say. You can't rattle me, and that's what he gave them. But his goal was answered by a beautiful finish by Batson Dakar. Very happy for him on a personal note, if I must say so myself, because um, he came to the Premier League with the reputation of being a goal scorer, a gunman, and the Zambian international is that. And I don't think he's been given a fair run because I don't think Brendan Rodgers knows what to do with him, Vardy, and Ian Nacho, you know, in terms of partnerships and all that. I think. He came at a time where Iheanacho and Vardy just struck up um, a great partnership. But Vardy's older. Iheanacho has gone back to his inconsistent ways. So why can't Dakar get a chance? Dakar, I think, deserves that. Um, Chelsea did score a goal that was cancelled out by VAR. Uh, Jao Felix goal. That hurt me personally. Because um, one, I'm a Jao Felix fan. And two, FPL. Um, it was a lovely Chelsea goal. Good play. But he was rightly called off for offside. Um, but they did score. Um just before the end of the first half, Enzo Fernandez with a delightful assist over the top. You know, sort of the, hey man, if we can't pass the ball through you, we'll just pass it over you. And Kai Havertz, the composure, and he's been trying to do these finishes this whole time at Chelsea where he gets into this little one-on-one -on -one situation where he's very close to the goalkeeper. He's just trying to make this cute little finish, you know, just trying to make it look a little, a little tidy. This time he got it right. The ball came over his head and he just stuck his foot up in the air and just gave it a little dink straight over to Danny Ward. Beautiful finish and a deserved goal. Um, so, good for him. And to finish off the game, a lovely, lovely, lovely volley, if I'm going to say so myself, by um, Mateo Kovacic, who tends to score bangers. Uh, Mudrik with the assist. Um, I'll say this about Mudrik. And again, I will reiterate, we have to give players time. I mean, I, I spoke about Anthony last week on the podcast and I said it's gone from promising to worrying. But the only reason I said that is because I want to see uh, a little bit of improvement. I don't need you to be the... the well, I would love it if you were the finished article already and you were killing teams and you were showing your potential and you maxed out. But that's not how it works in football sometimes. Um, for this guy's sake, I hope he works out because there's a lot of scrutiny on him. He was wanted by Arsenal. He wanted the Arsenal move. He made that very clear through social media. It didn't happen. Chelsea came in for him. He took the Chelsea move. Chelsea outbid Arsenal. Arsenal couldn't agree a fee with his former club. Um, and, you know, 
he's there now. He's going to have a difficult time trying to fit into a team that's just brought in so many players. There's so much attacking talent that you can play with and mix with. And you don't know if you're going to start one week or not. But he's a young boy with a lot of talent. Happy for him. And Kovacic, good goal. Good for him as well. White face. Uh, anyone that listens to this podcast will know that I'm not his biggest fan. And the reason is because I feel like he's a bit rash. Um, he got a second yellow. And yeah, that was his day. Tottenham, three. Nottingham Forest, one. Harry Kane at it again. I run out of words to just describe this man. I mean, at this point, there's always a debate about where he would rank in all-time Premier League goal scorers, all-time Premier League players. And the argument is, if he hasn't won a league or he hasn't won a trophy, you know, how can you place him higher? And I would make this argument. I don't know how people feel, but I'm just going to say this right now. Steven Gerrard didn't win a league title. Now, don't get me wrong, FA Cup, Galore won them. He's won FA Cups, he's won League Cup, he's won the UEFA Cup, he's won the Champions League. And in the Champions League, that second half comeback where he had 15 minutes of just going crazy, that's a legendary uh, one for him. The FA Cup final 2006 against West Ham, which is literally the next year after winning the Champions League, um, he had one hell of a performance in that final, scored one of the best goals you'll ever see in a football game, point in that period. Many moments. But I will say this, when you're ranking Premier League players, I don't think it's necessary to rank competition because not everyone competes in these. That, for example, Kevin Phillips. In my opinion, Kevin Phillips is one of the best ever strikers to play in the Premier League. And I will scream that from the rooftops because he didn't play for a fashionable side. He played for Sunderland. And Sunderland were not a Manchester United. They were not an Arsenal. They were not even a Chelsea back then with the Zolas and Good Janssons. They were not... Um, I wouldn't have given them a Tottenham with a Gus Poirier and... Uh, Ginola and um, I say Darren Anderton, but hey, shout out Darren Anderton. I tell you, Sheringham, you know, he didn't have this quality around him, um, but he made it work. He made it work, and I think you got to be fair to the lad and say, Guy's good, guy's good, really, really good. And um, I think if you play for a better side, we'll be talking about one of the greatest Premier League goal scorers, point back period, in terms of like when you're talking about your. You know, Kane, Sagueros, uh, uh, Coles, York, it just takes place for a better side sometimes. So, like, you know, there's nowhere comparison in terms of quality or whatever they've done, but you see how Trossard, his numbers at um, Brighton in terms of goals and assists per season are not great if you look back at his time. But Arsenal already is getting numbers. I mean, in one game, which we're going to talk about, he's got three assists. So, when you're playing with better players and a better team, you know, if you allow your, your quality to come to the table, you'll enjoy more. And I think uh, that's what happened with him. So, kudos to him. Sometimes even some players don't even need that. Like I said, he popped out Sunderland. Um, but back to Tottenham and back to Harry Kane. This guy is incredible. Absolutely incredible. Uh, great header from a Pedro Porro across. I'm very happy that Pedro Porro started to find his feet in the Premier League, by the way. I'm a big fan of him. Anyone that knows me knows I'm a sporting club at, uh, de Portugal uh, fan. We don't call them sport in Lisbon, they find that rude and offensive. So just for anyone that's listening, we don't call them sport in Lisbon, you call them sport in CP. Um or sporting club the Portugal for the full name. Um What a player. What a player. What a player. And um yeah, he's got a penalty as well to make it two. And I will say this, 
people downplay how good his season's been because of what Haaland's been doing with his numbers. But this is what I keep telling you. You must respect Harry Kane. And I will say this again. If Harry Kane had joined Tottenham, um, had joined Man City, yeah. I don't think Haaland's numbers would mean nothing. And in terms of like what I'm saying is, Haaland has what? I think 28 and 26. I could be wrong. I want to check that out right now for you guys. Which, by the way, is ridiculous. Um, Premier League. Top of the the season. Um, yeah. Let's go. Haaland has 28 and 26. And Kane has 20 and 27. I will say this again. Um, Kane has played some top players at Tottenham. You know, um, Modric, Dembele, Ericsson, Son. Um, there was a time where Lamella looked decent, like he's going to fulfill his potential, and then obviously that didn't work out. But he's had some good players around him, and obviously not some good, not so many good players around him. I think we can argue that. Um, but City, with the abundance of talent he would have had around him, yeah, I don't think that becomes a discussion. So shout out to Harry Kane and Son. Son assisted by Richarlison, two players who have underwhelmed big time. Um, Richarlison, it has not worked out well for him, in my opinion, um, at Tottenham so far. Whether that be because of what Conte said, many injuries, lack of form, hasn't played well. Uh, Richarlison said that he's been in and out of the team, so you know he's, he's not being particularly happy with how he's been going at Tottenham so far for him. Um, and Son, Son regardless of his form kept on playing so not been good this year he has not been good he has not performed in my opinion but he got his goal uh nice goal as well chest control lower touch just to take it away from the full uh the full, was it full back or center back the defender <laughs> and then use his left foot to go to the far post and tuck it away um joe warrell got one back for Nottingham forest we'll go back to league table positions of course Tottenham are fourth like i said Liverpool losing was a great one for them. So that opens up a question. Liverpool do have that given hands because it's a three points, but any gap you will accept. And not the Forest, they're part of that relegation battle. But 26 games played, 26 points, minus 26 goal difference. There might be something to do with that there. Um, but we'll move on to the next game. Could be for Tottenham. Manchester City keep up the pressure on Arsenal. 1 0 win. Courtesy of a penalty from Mr. Erling Haaland, who did score his 28th of the season. Crystal Palace still haven't won in 2023. Um, where do we go from here with this team? I mean, they've got talent all over the place. You know, I was going through their lineup for this game. Vicente Guaita, good goalkeeper. Tyrant Mitchell, good young talent. Gay, good young talent. Anderson's a solid centre-back. Not the best, of course, but he's solid. Nathaniel Klein, I don't know how I feel about him. Milovic, I feel like his time has run out. Lokonga is a player of a bit to prove. He started his loan well. I will, I'll be fair to him. Olise, good young talent as well. Very composed on the ball. A bit of a dribbler. Jordan Ayew. Yeah, man, let's just move on. Jeffrey Schlupp, who I think should have been in the World Cup squad. So, shout out Ghana selection for that time. And I'm very, very happy, by the way, that there's now Chris Hutton, who's the manager. It's been about a time that we had a good manager representing my country, um, the homeland, the motherland. And, of course, Wilfred Zaha back in the lineup, which means um, Rich, your favourite boy. Um, for anyone that's, that's listening or knows Rich from Eagle-Eyed, 
Bull, um, Crystal Palace fans. Yeah, his favorite when Matata didn't come off the come off the, off the bench. Sorry. <laughs> so um, yeah, man. But they still couldn't score. They lost one nil. I don't know where their I don't know where their problem is. I mean, is it is it Vieira? Is it the fact that they just can't score goals because they don't defend too bad? Who knows? But they need to find a solution and quick. And the reason I say that is because they are 12th. Now, the gap is five points between 12th and 20th. The gap between 12th and 18th is three points. So that can change very, very quickly as well. So they need to be on guard. Uh, City are five points behind Arsenal. They have a superior goal difference at the moment. You're on 61 points. So, I mean, I think they're comfortably second because Maynard, I do have a game in hand on them. But Man United are also inconsistent. We'll get to them later. Um, Man United are on 50 points. City are on 61. So that should be interesting to see what they can do. But Haaland scores again. Another day, another goal, another W for Manchester City Football Club. All right. Now let's go to Sunday. Fulham nil, Arsenal 3. Now, last week, I did ask the question to Steve. And Basil, of course, did answer this question as well as he was an Arsenal fan about do Arsenal fans be happy and be confident in the side that they're winning games or do they worry that they've been conceding goals in the last couple of games and not getting many clean sheets? And then they go to a good, good Fulham side because Fulham have been very good this season, a good Fulham side, and they win 3-0. But I will say this, and I will praise Arsenal. I'm not going to be unfair to them, but I'm going to bring this up to you guys right now because I think this... It's worth a mention. Anyone that has listened to this podcast from day one knows I have always, always been an art, a fan of the art of defending. My my favorite players, when taken away from attackers, are Maldini, Nesta, Rio, Terry, um, Lilian Turan. Um, I I can go on and on about centre backs and full backs that have just bust. The thing for me, one of them, Sergio Ramos. I know Pat before, but I don't much trust me. We can discuss that another time. Um, but the defending for these goals, I don't, I don't have the words. And the first goal, you know, um, firstly, I'll say this: Arsenal had a goal ruled out for VAR. Uh, Martinez was offside. It was an own goal. Uh, Anthony Robinson, but it looked like that just took his confidence from him. And I'll get into that with him and why I was severely, severely sorry, disappointed in his performance. Um, Trossard, great cross from the corner. Gabriel, good header. It looks like he came off his shoulder, but every goal counts. Um, he does scoring goals against Fulham, by the way. Um, but he shouldn't be winning that header. Now, don't get me wrong. Football is a game of chance, right? And you create your own luck. He jumps highest. He jumped the best. So he won the header, and I'm not taking that away from him. That is his credit. But on the other side, if you're defending, you will hate to concede a goal like that as a manager, and you won't say that's unlucky. You will say you guys should be doing better in that because it looked like in a crowded area, he was unchallenged. That's poor. And that leads me on to the second goal because talking about unchallenged, right? Again, Trossard with another cross. Gabriel Martinelli with a header. Now, I am going to say this. If there's one thing that Gabriel Martinelli is not renowned for, it's heading the ball. (laughs) 
That's that's just not what he does. He he, he doesn't do that. He doesn't he doesn't hit the ball. Um, the ball was crossed in, and he was, and I use the term challenging loosely. Anthony Robinson. Anthony Robinson didn't even look like he went to be there. I've, I have described some pathetic defending in my time on this podcast. That one angered my soul. Um, I'll always say this. Taken away from rivalries and, you know, banter and everything aside. When I'm watching football, I want to see defenders defend well. I want to see midfielders pass well. And I want to see attackers shoot well. And goalkeepers save well. Can't happen all the time. You can't have the best day all the time. So, you know, I'm not going to come and tell you that oh, he's an awful centre-back and he's an awful, and this guy's an awful full-back and he shouldn't be playing in the next couple of games. He deserves to be dropped. Listen, if he shows form in training and he works hard and he's the best player that and the best option they've got in a position, use him. But Anthony Robinson cannot defend like that again for the rest of the season and hopefully the rest of his career. He didn't even try. Martin didn't even have to even jump too high to be honest. He's still like a little a little leap. You know when you're you know when you're in primary school and you're learning gymnastics and they put the apparatus in front of you and they tell you to just do a little jump onto the mat. Just, like, just a little one like that. Just a little leap. Boom. Down on your feet, you're good. Easiest easiest goal Martinez gonna score this season. I'm saying that. This is someone that I said is not renowned for headers. It was one of the worst things I've seen all season. I was I was quite appalled. And he cannot do that again, Anthony Robinson. I'm sorry, you just that just can't happen. But you're not the only one that defended poorly. The third goal, Martin Odegaard. Now Odegaard took the touch, brought it down, another cross from Trossard. Um, something to say about something to be said about the right side position of um, Fulham. So shout out Kenetete, Harrison Reed, and Bobby Reed. Uh, Bobby Decoro. How do you say his name? Decadova Reed. Let's call him Reed. I'm not going to butcher his name. He deserves more respect than that. Um, where was I? But yes, the that's the old guard goal. Balls crossed in, and again, it's becoming a thing where. Against it's, it's zonal marking. It's I hate zonal marking. I think Jimmy Carragher tried to say that I think it was he's saying United should have done zonal marking last week, and rather than man to man, no, I fully disagree with that. Zonal marking is chaotic, absolutely chaotic in my opinion, and not tracking a man and just ball watching. And and I know he's saying you should be able to zonal mark without just ball watching. You know, kind of stay aware of where your players are. So that when someone wants to make a pass or something, you kind of close the gap. Similar to what I was saying the last week about um, Fred for the first Liverpool goal, uh, Gakpo's goal, where he cut in and shot. Where, um, in my opinion, Fred should have just said, "I'm going to stay central because I'm in I'm in no man's zone right now, so I want to try and make sure that you make a pass out wide, so everyone in the middle can retain their shape, get compact, and then I can just go out to the fullback position because Dalo is not there." Fulham did not do that today, or well, rather yesterday in the Premier League. And Martin Odegaard will score a goal where he took a great touch, one or two nice touches, and he rifled it into the bottom corner. But again, a player, any player, not just Odegaard, any player should not be allowed to take four touches, that's the shot included, four touches in the box, very close to the goalkeeper, to the six-yard box with three or four Fulham players in front of him. I won't say players. I'll say defend. Um, I, I won't say defenders rather. I'll say players. And the reason I say players 
is because um, Sasa Lukic, or Lukic rather, it's, I don't know what it is with players that don't want to defend. I don't know what it is. You're so close to your goal. You have to do everything to try and block that. I, you know what? I'll even go as far as to say I would actually be... I'll give you some compassion if you consider the penalty. Just because I know it's a bit of a rush situation. It's like, oh my God, you're in panic. I need to block this. I do not want to concede this goal. I don't want my goalkeeper to have to make a save. So I'm going to get in there and try and block it. And if he fakes a shot and I catch him, hey, so be it. But at least I wasn't there just allowing him to have a free shot goal. But man, that's what he did. And I hate that. I hate that because you just, you, you can't go into a football game as a professional and allow your opponents, such quality opponents as well, by the way, to do such things. It's just appalling. So, they deserve their loss. Arsenal fully deserves their win. Arsenal were good again. They controlled the ball well. Uh, their midfield was free. Was um, running riot. They controlled the game so well. Uh, so much so that the front three could come on. I come off rather. Reese Nelson, uh, Gabriel Jesus and Fabio Vieira came on for Trossard, Martindelli and Saka. I just helped close the game out. Um, I will say this. For... Good purposes. It's good to see Gabriel Jesus back on the pitch. You could see his quality straight away. But you can't see why Arsenal fans were... They missed him hugely. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that they're going to moan too much about this because they won the game. But the one thing they have wanted him to improve on is his finishing. Because he had a great chance to make it four. And he didn't tuck it away. But either way, he's back for Arsenal. Um, they're still winning. They're still top. Gap is still five points. They're doing their thing. So shout out them. Uh, Manchester United nil, Southampton nil. Firstly, we'll address the record. Um, if you want to give it a record, I'm f I'm fine. I think it's going to be mixed reactions to that. My opinion at first was um, when he slid into the ball, and this is why I hate I hate freeze frames because I know what freeze frames are used for. And if you're part of football Twitter, which is the banter side of it, you're going to use it for your agenda and say, yeah, you know, look where it caught him. And then when you watch the video and you see that he's yes his foot has left the ground but it's gone into the side of the ball and then unfortunately because of momentum his boot has now like sort of slid and rolled over the ball and caught his man so don't get me wrong it's a bit reckless and i understand why it's a red that's why i haven't got a beef with the record but he has to be consistent with decisions um because and i'll bring up um m Safo. uh he was on our show 15 if, if anyone that remembers him um i'm gonna bring up a tweet that he uh he put up earlier today and it's about consistency and when you're making decisions on why you know in the premier league we are we are annoyed rather that um that decision was red and many other and we can do this all day for a lot of decisions this is how football is you know, many clubs can complain. Arsenal will complain. So Chelsea and many others complain, especially the teams at the bottom of the the leagues, the bottom ten, because they'll say, you know, when you're playing these teams, you don't get decisions. Sorry, excuse me. Um, but I'm just trying to find the tweet whilst I just waffle on. Um, but the point being, the tweet was saying that you know, this game, this game, so many challenges were made, and you just didn't. You know, you're not being fair. You know, there's no consistency. And I, I will say this, it's not about um, 
Actually, no, it's not. It's not no, it's not about individual referees because people will say, "How did this decision go?" But this decision was okay to go. It, sometimes it's not the same referee. I understand Lee Mason, obviously, who stepped down as a referee. Um, his one is different um, because there's some record of him making decisions on VAR that were wrong this season alone. Um, so the pressure mounted on him. But here we are. There's a tweet talking about challenges for like Van Dyke on Onana and uh, Manchester Derby, Fabinho and Ferguson, and Martin and Jao Felix. There's another one on Jao Felix. And even the one that injured um, Donny van der Beek this season. You know, that was another reckless, nasty challenge. And these guys didn't get red cards. It's about consistency. But away, away from that, May United again. It's, it's a weird one. It's a game of missed chances. Fulham, that's Fulham. Southampton hit the post and the, uh, and the crossbar, the top of the crossbar. Um, James Ward Prowse. I'm sure you can understand when I say his name, what chance it was from him. Um, and Kyle Walker Peters hit the post from May United as well. Rafael Varane um, forced a great save out of the goalkeeper, Bazunu, um, from close range. Bazunu also made a phenomenal save from uh, Bruno Fernandes' effort, which hit the post from the save. So if he didn't make that save, that is 1-0 Manchester United. Um, and I think Maynard had one or two other chances, but they were also very complacent. Wan-Bissaka, who you know, I've criticised so much, but I've praised the season because he has fought back for his place. He's looked better. He looks good. He was very complacent with his passing. He didn't tackle well either. The centre-backs were fine for Man United. Um, but Casemiro's red card, I think, just took the wins out of their sails. I mean, they still did create chances, but I think within 11 Man United, just about put it out of the bag. Um, Southampton, on the other hand, a well-deserved point. I, I think I'll be fair to them. Like I said, they hit the woodwork a couple of times. So you got to be fair to them. They need points, though. They are bottom of the league. Um, they are on 22 points. They are two points away from safety, so it's not terrible. Their goal difference is the third worst in the league. I've got that correct behind Nottingham Forest and uh, Bournemouth. Um, but they need to find a win and find it fast. And that's just the God's honest truth. Um, they are a decent side. they got some decent players. And you can say that about every team in the league, and that's why this relegation battle is so interesting, because you can go through those clubs... Um, from 12th to 20th that I keep mentioning and you can find players in each team that you think are really really good and you know, should be helping the team get higher but this is the luck of football for some teams it ain't going to work out too great regardless of who you got in the team because you can go to Fulham's team as well and I can tell you that they've got Mitrovic Pereira's done well this season you know you can go to Brighton and you can talk about Mitoma you know you can talk about the new young kid on the block um, Evan Ferguson so that's how football works um but both teams nil nil may now be disappointed that they are third and they've drawn um and dropped two points to a team that's bottom of the league especially at home at old traffic so a point uh two points lost for them but a point certainly gained for southampton nothing more to say there west ham won aston villa won um not sure what to say about west ham i'm actually not sure what to say west ham. i mean they're 17th they're on 24 points also so they're nowhere near safe. Just like Leicester and Bournemouth, they're on 24 points. Um, but West Ham again. I mean, they got back into the game because of a penalty after Oli Watkins opened the scoring with a header from a Alex Moreno cross. I'm a big fan of Moreno. I'm a league boy. I love their football. I love their talents. So that's a good signing, in my opinion, for the 
the Birmingham based club. Um, but West Ham got back into the game. Clumsy, clumsy foul. Um, that brought West Ham back into it. Definitely a penalty. Saeed Rama smashed it, roof of the net. Love that. Throw back to the Gareth Barry once when he's whacking to the roof of the net. Don't get the keeper no chance to even adjust himself. Just make sure he can't even see the ball, let alone try to save it. Um, but again, West Ham are. Uh, uh, yeah, man. I, that's That sound is all I have for them, if I'm being honest. <laughs> um, again, I don't know how long Dimitri is going to be in this job. I don't think they want to sack him because I feel like. They feel like he's got credit in the bank, and they may, I think you can argue that because of their European run and they have challenged for European spots in the past two or three seasons. But man, if Steve's run out and you guys are in a relegation battle, sometimes you just got call a spade a spade and just say, "Nah, it's enough." Um, but we are mid March now, so sacking him would it be smart? Maybe not, but hey. I'm not the man that makes the decisions. So as far as I'm concerned, hey, run that. Um, but let's see what my locals do with that. Aston Villa, they're fine. They're 11th, uh, 35 points. They can possibly get in European position, to be fair, if they get onto a good run of form. Um, but they're not going to get relegated. If by any chance to get dragged into the relegation battle, my goodness, I will lose all words for them. But I think they're fine. Newcastle... In the top four race, still in it. They found their form, they found their goals, courtesy of an Isaac header from a brilliant Trippier cross. Um, Wolves equalized after Trippier went from hero to zero. Lack of communication, in my opinion, because the ball was going towards Pope and it should have been left for Pope. We'll talk about Pope in a minute, by the way. Um, he tried to clear it and he slipped. Very unlucky, it happens. He slipped and it went straight into the path of Wang Hee Chan, who absolutely just. just Took it in to say, yep, that's mine. Took it in to the empty net, made it 1 1. But then, uh, Miguel Amiron and Joel Willock combined on the right side of the pitch. Willock slides the ball through, and Miguel Amiron with a deflective finish into the goal past goalkeeper. I think if it doesn't get deflected, he'll make a decent save. But you create your own luck. He took a shot, defender panicked, threw his boot in there again. I don't think anyone should be doing that in this day and age in football in general. If you don't know where the ball's going, don't, or you have no control, don't throw your body in there because you just don't know what you're going to do. And unfortunately, he passes his own goalkeeper. But it does count for Miguel Amiron, who did score in the presence of my boy, also from Paraguay, Roberto Rojas. Shout out him. He came to the UK for a little holiday, a um, couple of days. Met him earlier today. Sound guy. And, um, yeah, we could see him. So, if you're listening, Roberto, much love for you. Your boy scored on the day that you came to the stadium again. So, yeah, I guess you're just good luck time, uh, charm for the Geordies, and especially for Miguel Hamirun. Finding his goal-scoring form again after he lost it after a good start to the season. Um, but for Newcastle, three points certainly gained, of course, which is obviously Captain Obvious. But what I'm saying is for the top four race, where they had lost form, I think they had, one, had won one of their last eight. If you're talking about conversion rates and everything, they were near enough 20th or at least 19th. So they had struggled in the last couple of uh, weeks to get results. But because they had such a stellar start to the season, they've remained in the, the race for the top four. They are comfortably in the race for the top four. They are fifth currently, if I um, remember correctly. Tottenham are still fourth. Um, but they have two games in hand on Tottenham. And if they win those, 
they do go above Tottenham. So, you know, they're still doing it. It's still a great season for them, regardless of where it goes from here. Because truth be told, I think they were just expecting their team to just be near enough, staying in the league, and they're trying to build from there. But they've made some good signings. Botman's been great for them. Um, Dan Byrne has been great for them. I can go on and on and on. They're having a good year. And uh, more power to them. They're a good team with great fans from a great city. Um, so, yep, good for them. Wolves, they're also in the relegation battle. They're on 27 points. They're 13th. I think they'll be fine because I think Lopetegui is making things happen there. And they are they are getting the results that I think would be enough for them to stay in the league. Um, so, an unfortunate loss in this game. But at the same time, I don't think they deserved it. They do have... They do have a um, Nelson Semedo problem. Um, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 times on Wolves' right, Newcastle left side, St. Maximan was just finding easiest passes to Isaac, who just drifted onto that left side because the fullback was nowhere to be seen. Now, I don't know if this was a tactical thing um, because there was no midfielders backing uh, Semedo in terms of like, maybe taking his place a little bit. Sort of like what Henderson used to do for Trent um, when he went forward. I mean, not everything does that, so it's just down to tactics. But, man, if there's a problem, sometimes as a player, I take some, some responsibility and say, yeah, man, coach, this ain't working. I need to just hold back just a little bit. Man, 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 it looked like he just was tactically lost the player not the manager um, so that can't happen again and Pope since we praise Pope for being in good form after that stupid red card that he got um, which would him out of the Carabao Cup final it looks like he's just making silly decisions he's a very good so shot stopper he's not the best with his feet um, which is fine you know you have to be the best with your feet I'm always saying this I think I, I prioritise goalkeeping ability first being able to save shots you know, um, palm them away, combine your box, all that stuff before we get into the passing element. I know half of all is, is the modern stuff, blah, blah, blah. Uh, which, again, I don't believe because people like Pippa Reina and all that had passing range. They were doing that in 2006. But I digress. That's just me showing my age. Um, I don't know. I rant on like a, a, a very old, angry grandpa. But the point being, um, he's made some silly errors. And in my opinion, he should have conceded a penalty. Don't get me wrong. I think... Um, he, for anyone that didn't watch that game, he miscontrolled the ball, um, and Raul Jimenez ran onto the ball straight away, took a touch to get away from him, uh, being Nick Pope. But then it's like he almost, because he knew it was going to be a collision, he almost like sort of like barged slash threw his body into Pope to try and get a penalty, and I think that's why he didn't get it. So I think if he just lets collision happen, boy, all day. Referee's blowing his whistle, he has to. And if he doesn't want to do that, then VAR will look and say, my guy, come on. That's a clear and obvious error. That's a penalty all day, every day. Unfortunately, he didn't do that. Um, for Wolves, anyway. So Pope is still a lucky boy, because I think everyone, the consensus was that that's a penalty. But that runs up Sunday. And that runs up the results. Um, ah, 43 minutes so far. It's just me. Pretty cool. Um, good win for a lot of these teams um decent results all over the league i'll just go for the league table right now um of course arsenal are still top of the table top four to complete that is uh 
City, United, Manchester United, and Tottenham Hotspur, Newcastle, and Liverpool hot on the tails. That's a Brighton as well. <laughs> That's a Fulham, to be fair, and Brentford and Chelsea. So, hey, there you go. The top four race is exciting. The European race is exciting. Europa League, Conference League as well. Aston Villa can count themselves as part of that race. And then below them, in 12th to 20th, again, is that relegation battle. So, it's a very interesting Premier League. Um, well, battling in every situation. Um, Bournemouth, Leeds, and Southampton um, are the bottom three in order from 18th to 20th. Um, I'll talk about Conference League. May United won the League Cup. So I know that changes things. You know, I think back in the day, you have your top four and the other two, uh, fifth and sixth, will go to the Europa League, such a way for Cup. And then if uh, teams won the FA Cup and League Cup that were in the top four, then seventh place will be given to another club to go to the Europa League and join them, but being the qualifiers. Obviously, in this situation, there are not going to be the Europa League qualifiers for the team. It will be a Conference League thing. So we'll see. We will see how uh, that goes for whoever gets that. But it's certainly interesting, and I'm very, very excited to see it. Uh, let's go to next week. Let's go to next week. Actually, we'll go midweek first. Uh, there's two more games on Wednesday. You've got Brighton and Hove versus Crystal Palace. And you've got um, Southampton versus Brentford. For anyone that doesn't know, Brighton and Crystal Palace absolutely hate each other. So that might be an interesting watch. Um, Southampton and Brentford. I would say Brighton win 3-0. And Brentford win 2-1. So, interesting one there. On Friday, we've got an 8pm kickoff. Nottingham Forest versus Newcastle United. I think I'm going to go for a 2-1 Newcastle win. I think they might just about steal it. And then on Saturday the 18th, at 3pm, you've got Aston Villa versus Bournemouth. You've got Brentford versus Leicester. Southampton versus Tottenham. Wolves versus Leeds. Chelsea versus Everton. Um... I'm not going to say scores. I'm just going to say who I think is going to win or draw. Villa, Bournemouth. I'll go Bournemouth win. Brentford, Leicester. I'll go Brentford win. Southampton, Tottenham. I'm going for a draw. Wolves, Leeds. I'm going for a draw. Chelsea, Everton. I'm going for a Chelsea win. On Sunday, Arsenal will play host to Crystal Palace. That's the only game on Sunday. Um, as I said before, at the, at the start of the show, rather. Um, Brighton versus Man United was probably the Isaac City versus West Ham. Um, I'll go for an Arsenal win there. I think Arsenal win that. If I'm being honest, I'm sorry about his fans, but I think that's going to be a 4-1 win. Uh, so yeah, very interesting actually. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Very interesting um, games coming up next week. Uh, so yeah, we'll see how that goes. But other than that, um, enjoy the rest of your week. For anyone that's also interested, on Tuesday, you've got Champions League games, Porto Inter, Man City Leipzig. And on Wednesday, you have uh, Napoli versus Frankfurt and Real Madrid versus Liverpool. Liverpool. And on Thursday, Real Betis, Manchester United, Arsenal versus Sporting Club de Portugal. Um, but yeah. You know how it goes, like, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff. This was a solo show. I hope I had you guys proud. And um, I hope I didn't, you know, 
ruin your ears too much. <laughs> um, we will have more guests next week. That is for sure. That is for certain. But other than that, thank you for being on the sh- uh, for listening. Um, if you are free next week and you do want to join me, absolutely feel free to follow me. That is always an option. But other than that, have a great week. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy some football. Enjoy your FPLs. And um, before we go, of course, like, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff. I said that before earlier, but I didn't actually plug anything. Very weird. Um, YouTube, free me for podcast. Maybe this will maybe this will be posted on there, but we'll see how that goes. Um, so yeah, YouTube, free me for podcast. And of course, you'll find this on audio. So if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify right now or SoundCloud, this is where you'll find us, of course. And for your um, social media needs, Twitter and TikTok. I was going to plug Twitch, but we don't really use Twitch anymore. So there's no point really using that as a plug. Um, so TikTok and Twitch, free with your podcast. You know how it goes. Um, but yes, have a great week. Much love. And speak soon. Cheers.